the Song of Solomon, chapter 6, and uh, you'll look at verse 3 there, verse number 3. And you see the verse, that's our text verse now, but a verse that you would know already uh, is Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. How many of you can will think you know a part of it just by hearing Romans 8.28? You know what that verse is. All right, if you know it, say it with me. Romans 8.28 says this, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. That is, a, that is a great promise verse for a Christian. And it says we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And what we're going to look at today is, is three truths that you can know if you love God. All right? You can know. Now, we know that all things work together for good, but there's a lot more you can know if you love God. If you don't love God, there's not a lot that you can be sure of. You can't be sure of where you're going when you die. You can't be sure that there's somebody in this world that, that loves you back. You may, you may think you have family, but you know, lots of times people say, well, I've got my family, but boy, if that's love, the way some families treat each other, <laughs> boy, oh boy. I mean, uh, families, uh, families ought to love each other, but without Christ, it's hard to know what real love is. But when you love Christ you can know some things. And there are three things in Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 3, that you can know. We're going to read it, and then I'll pray before we preach this morning. The Bible says in Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 3, this is uh, the church speaking about Jesus, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. She says, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. And the last thing she says here is, he feedeth among the lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. And we're going to get three truths from this this morning. Three things that you can know if you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we are, we are thankful, God, to be uh, able to be in church this morning. And we are, we are free to do so. Lord, we should, uh, we should always remember we should come together even if we're not free to. But God, what a great thing that we are free to come to church this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to uh, speak your words with, uh, with much uh, plainness of speech. Be, help me to be very clear. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be a blessing to this church and a blessing to Brother Westover. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, thank you, Lord, for him. I pray that uh, while he's away, Lord, that uh, this would be a blessing to him. Father, I pray that you'd bless each one of these folks that uh, came this morning, uh, even, even though their pastor's away, Lord, to be faithful to your place, to be faithful to this gathering, this meeting, and to be faithful to your word. Lord, please, God, uh, reward them for that. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us when we leave here today to be sure of, of these things that we can know if we love our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Three things you can know if you love Jesus Christ. Now, first off, you already know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes without saying that God loves you. And, or at least he loved you when he died for you at Calvary. And that's a great thing that you can know. And, and, and when, we, when we rest in God's love, uh, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But just like any relationship, if I just was so sure that my wife loved me that I really didn't care about how I treated her in return, you know that, that even if she loved me with all of her heart, if I only gave her half of mine, you know it wouldn't last very long you know the relationship would be pretty, pretty rocky, pretty ugly, wouldn't it? And so the Lord, you think the Lord loves you with half his heart? I believe the Lord loves us with all of his heart. And we ought to give him all of ours, not just half of ours. Because you, in, you, you can still be sure of his love, but the relationship's just not what it ought to be. I hope you can agree with me on that. Song of Solomon chapter 6 is a book in the Bible that... Uh, that it can be, can be taken a lot of ways, but where it's put in the Bible, it's after, 
you know, you come through Job and you learn to trust God in trials. And you come through Psalms and you learn how to be blessed by following God's word. And you come through Proverbs and in Proverbs you learn to be wise and to, and to fear the Lord and to know the Lord. And the same in Ecclesiastes, you learn about the fear of God is the duty of man and you learn to, uh, you learn to look to God. And after you learn those things, you come to Song of Solomon and it's all about loving God. And it's all about loving God. And a lot of times uh, we try to jump into, we try to jump to saying I love God where uh, what we're doing is we're just enjoying his love to us and we haven't really put in any work to get to know him. Haven't put any time to, to, uh, to fear him. Haven't put any time into learning what his word says. So we say we love him, but it would be like me saying, and I'm going to use, I'm going to use uh, the famous name we have here, it would be like me saying I love Elvis Presley. Now, I, I do love Brother Presley and the Lord. We're brothers in Christ. But, you know, Elvis Presley, I wouldn't know him to meet him. I, I, you know, maybe I heard one of his songs once on the radio, but I don't know him. And you know what else? He doesn't know me. And he'll never know me and, I, and I'll, I'll never get to know him. But some people say, well, I just love that guy. And what they, they have a, they have an idea in their mind and they don't really know who that is. Let's, here's, here's what I'm wanting to do this morning. I just don't want us to treat God like we might treat our favorite musician, our favorite movie star, where we say, oh man, I just love, well, do they love you in return? Do you really know who they are? You might meet one of those guys on the street and you may say, oh, I, that guy's a real jerk. I don't, I don't like him anymore. Well, let's, I, I propose to you that when you know, get to know God, you'll love him better. When you love him, you get to know more things. You get, can be sure of some things. And the first thing that, uh, that we can be sure of in this verse, he says this, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the church will say this. Now, the picture of Song of Solomon is, is the church, is the woman, and, and there's a, a fellow that she loves. There's a man, a shepherd, that she loves greatly, and uh, she, when she speaks of him, you can just, you can just hear it in her voice, and, uh, and the things that she says, that she is, uh, she is in love with this fellow, and the Bible tells us that that ought to be, and that is how the, the church ought to love the Lord. And the church is right here. This is us. And the Lord loves his church. He loves you guys. He loves, loves you more than, more than just saying it. He'll do for you what he wouldn't do for anybody else. He'll do for you as a child of God, as a, as a, as a saved sinner, what he wouldn't do just for anybody in the world. God loves the church in a very special way, and the church ought to love him in a more special way than anybody else does. She says this, she says, I am my beloved's. I, I like that word beloved. I, I, don't, I can't get away with calling my wife that, though. Uh, she would know I'm up to something. If I called her beloved, she would say, what, uh, what did you buy that you haven't told me about, you know? But beloved, it's a, that's a real rich word there. And, and uh, you know, we don't use it, I think, enough uh, or, or a lot because it is such a heavy word. You know, we get used to saying lots of things we don't mean, you know, uh, you, you, you hear about somebody, you know, they, they do something that's exciting, and you say, wow, that is really cool. And in your mind, you're thinking, boy, you must have a boring life. We said really cool, you know, and uh, I am so sorry to hear. When really, we're not sorry at all. We just couldn't think of anything else to say. I don't, the words, the words uh, that come out of our mouth ought not to be hollow words. They ought to really mean something. There was a uh, story of, a, uh, of, a, uh, of an explorer in the, in the early days of uh, the exploration of North America that came across the, the Huron Indians. And uh, they had, uh, in their group, they were trying to learn the language. And they had a, uh, a young man there that heard the Native American speech, heard their language, and he liked the sound of it. And so he started to imitate it. When he started to imitate it, the, the, the Indians got around and they, they, they started looking at him and listening to him. And he figured, well, they, they must like this. So he's put on a big old show for them, talking in this, with the same sounds as the Native American language of the Huron Indians. But he wasn't saying any words. <laughs> he was just making the same noises. And the Indians thought that 
he was giving them a special message and they said, we wish we could understand him, but he must just be, he must be on another level is what they thought. He's just, you know, boy, he must be in touch with the great spirit or something. But the truth was, he was just making sounds. He was just a young teenage boy. He was just making sounds that sounded cool. And he had a bunch of people thinking that he was really trying to talk to him. And it wasn't the case. Saying words that don't mean anything is, uh, is not, the, not the way that God wants to communicate with us. God's not just going to tell, uh, tell us words that make us feel better. He's going to tell us the truth. He's not just going to, he's not just going to uh, look at our situation and say, well, you know, what's right for you may be what's right for somebody else. No, God's going to try to direct us. The wisdom that God gives is first pure, then peaceable. God wants to give us something that will help us and, and in, in more ways than just making us feel better. He wants it to clean us up. This lady, this church says, I am my beloved's. What does she know about, about her Lord? And what does she say about him? She said, I belong to him. I belong to him. You can know that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You belong to God when you love him. Now, when I say you can know it, when I tell you, you that you belong to God if you're saved, that's the truth. You belong to God if you're saved. That's the truth. But whether or not you know it or feel it is an entirely different thing. When you love God, you have the assurance that you belong to him. And that is a, that's a, that's a life-changing thought. You know what changes your life, uh, what changes uh, who you are on Monday morning. You, you, you punch in somewhere, and for the next 8, 10, 12 hours, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Whatever that hourly wage, whatever that salary has been set down, uh, you belong to somebody else. And they're not, they're not, they're not, they shouldn't abuse you. They shouldn't injure you. They shouldn't uh, work you beyond your capacity to work. They should be a good employer. But you understand that that, that time, it belongs, you belong to somebody else. Listen, when you got saved, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were bought with a price. And you belong to God. And if you can trust your employer not to overwork you, not to put you in danger and to only give you things that you can handle, how much better is God who loves you and paid so much better of a price for you? You can know that you belong to him when you love him. And can I just tell you, that'll change, that'll change your life when you realize that you belong to him. Let me show it to you in the Bible. If you would go with me, if, you, if you'd like to, to 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 5 1 Corinthians I'm sorry chapter 6 I said chapter 5 1 Corinthians chapter 6 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and the last two verses of the chapter are verse 19 and 20 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 to 20 they say this, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, in your spirit, which are God's. You love God. You choose to love him with all of your heart. You can be sure of, of this truth that that you belong to him. There's a, there's a lot of freedom in, in belonging to somebody. There's a lot of freedom because uh, there's some decisions you don't have to make. Uh, my kids, right now, they belong to me. At, when they get older, they're not going to belong to me anymore. But you know what they don't have to worry about? They don't have to worry about what they eat. I mean, they do. They do worry about it. But they don't have to. They're going to get fed. They belong to me, and it's my job to feed them. They didn't have to worry about how they were going to get here this morning. I worried about that. It was my job to worry about. And there's a great freedom in that. You know what Paul, Paul uh, the apostle, had a great, probably the greatest uh, view of this thing. We think of belonging to somebody like a job, like a marriage, like good things. You know what Paul said? He said, I am Paul 
the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now that's pretty extreme. He didn't just say, you know, we, I belong to him, you know, in a good way. He said, look, if I'm going to sit in a jail cell, it's, it's as though, though my hands are tied, I can't do anything because I'm his prisoner. Only what he wants me to do. My feet are tied. I mean, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know what a prisoner, prisoner doesn't have to worry about what time he's going to wake up in the morning. Somebody wakes him up. <laughs> he sure doesn't have to worry about what he eats. He doesn't have to worry, worry about where he's going to sleep. They tell him what to do. They tell him where to go. And we th and now don't go to jail just to learn what I'm saying is true, okay? It's, uh, don't do that. Just, just take my word for it. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not the best life that you, that you want to have there, all right? It's not, a, it's not a hotel room. But when Paul looked at his life, he said, look, I don't, I don't look outside of the four walls of God's will for my life, and, and I'm just, I'll be his prisoner. And if he doesn't let me out, I won't get out. If he doesn't tell me to go, I'll stay. If he tells me to stay, I'll just sit, you know, I'm, I'm going to do whatever he said. That's, a, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty dedicated, I guess. But it comes because he just loved the Lord. He felt like if Jesus paid for me with his blood, I owe it to him to just be where he wants me to be. I can know that, that uh, I belong to him. Now, there's another, there's another truth that we're going to see here. Back in Song of Solomon chapter 6, uh, just to, to think back there, we've got another verse to look at in the New Testament there. But uh, in Song of Solomon chapter 6, in the verse, he says, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. It's pretty, you'd think, well, it's pretty extreme to think of us as being prisoners to God, but then the way you can look at God is he belongs to you exclusively I am my I belong to him but he belongs to me that's that's my God that's my Savior when the rain falls you know it wasn't that you know that it was the hand of your God that made it fall you know that when the day is is bright and the, the sun shines and it cheers you up you know that it was your God that did it he's the God that made heaven and earth and then you can know this that the God that whom the whole universe, I mean, orbits, I, I, I mean, it's, it operates on his timing, on his plans, and yet that same God was not just your maker, he was your redeemer. And he gave himself for you so that he could belong to you, not just so that you could belong to him. <laughs> if, if one truth doesn't get you, I got to tell you, the other truth I hope will, because to know that that's my God, I, I, in, the, in the prayer that we learned this morning, it was a great Sunday school, Sunday school lesson we had this morning. The prayer that we, we learned, Jesus taught his disciples to pray something that they'd not been able to pray, uh, they'd never been able to pray before. They said, our Father, which art in heaven. And you see Jesus praying that way in, uh, all through the Gospels there, and then you see the disciples, as they learn to pray that way, they say, my Father, my God, my Lord. And it's, uh, Paul says, I thank my God. Through our, it's through my Lord Jesus Christ. He owns it. It belongs to him. It belongs to him because he's chosen to love God. And God gives him the assurance that not only do you belong to me, but Christian, he belongs to you. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. I want to show you this, uh, this over in uh, Colossians. So if you haven't turned away from 1 Corinthians, if you would please flip over to Colossians. Just to the right a few pages. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And uh, some, we'll start in verse number 26. And Paul is uh, just talking about what God's done for him and what God has done for, for mankind in general and just glorifying God a little bit. But he's showing something now in verse 26 that God let him know. And he says this, it's even the mystery 
which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Paul, as he, as he glorifies Jesus Christ, he starts Colossians 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and, and, and just praising God a little bit, and he comes down to say, you know what, what blows my mind? That's when, I, when I think of a mystery, a mystery is just something that I can't, I can't understand. It may, maybe you can understand it, but it's something I can't understand. And so if I put myself in Paul's shoes, I say, you know what really blows my mind is that the God that made everything, that came and was born of a virgin, that died... Uh, a death for me on Calvary, went back up into heaven, that God that condensed himself into a man now lives in me. God, God that made everything chooses to come and, and speak to me from the inside out, not from the outside in. I'm thankful for the Bible. That speaks from the outside in. But God said, I want to I do something else for my church, for the people that trust me. I want to come from the inside out. <laughs> I want to be on the inside too. So when you read my word on the outside, there's something on the inside that says, Amen. <laughs> there's something on the inside that lets you know what, what's the truth. And when, when you're away from your Bible and when, when it's just, you know, when you're, when you're discouraged, you don't have to go and find something from the outside to pick you up and to help you out. There's something on the inside that can help you out and pick you up. You know, we talk about prayer this morning and it's just so good because... I find that when when I start to pray, I don't. It's it's incredible. You don't you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like uh, you you know you're getting a hold of God. But then by the time you're done, you feel like, wow, that was great. But where did that come from, brother? That's it's isn't that incredible how God can use us talking to Him.
before you dethorned them. Here in Song of Solomon chapter 2, come up to verse 1. In Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 1, where now it's the shepherd speaking. And he says this, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. But watch this, look at verse 2. Look at what he says about you and me. He says, as the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Lilies don't have thorns. They don't have thorns. When we think of lilies, we think that's, you know, that's the that's the idea. It's The bloom is white. There's no thorns. We think of that as, as a pure walk with God and as, as purity of heart. That, and, and we like that. But that's not how we were when God found us. And that's not, uh, that's not where we were when he brought us out. You see, Jesus said in verse 1 there, he said, I am the rose of Sharon. You see, because before there can be feeding among the lilies, there was there was some thorns. Before the, the purity of the, the white blossom, there was the, the gaudiness of the red. There was the, the, the sharp scarlet, the, the crimson. You say, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Yes, but you think about think about what that means for the Lord Jesus Christ, that rose with those thorns was a symbol of God's curse on the world. Not a single thorn existed on lily or rose until sin. And Jesus said, if he said, I'm gonna, if I'm going to be something, the th- first thing I'm going to be, I'm going to be the rose of Sharon. He said, I'm going to bear the thorn. I often wonder about Jesus when he was crucified and why that was the way he was put to death. There's many reasons, you know, many, many things you can think about. You know, he's got nails in his feet for the sins of where he walked or where we walked, I should say. He's got thorns in, uh, or nails in his hands for sins and things we've done with our hands and works that we have done we ought not to have done. He's got a spear in his side for sins of our heart where we love things we shouldn't have loved. And he's got thorns on his head because of things we've thought that we never should have thought. But as I think of the Rose of Sharon, I think of this, Jesus Christ as that shepherd. How did he get to that field of lilies there? Well, he started with the thorns. And why did he have uh, holes in his feet? Because if you're walking around among thorns, you're, uh, among roses, you're going to get thorns in your feet. And he bore those on his head because he was he was... He had a, a goal. There was something he wanted out of there. There was no way he could get it. And there was a hole in his hand. Why? Because he didn't just want to leave it, leave it there among the thorns. He saw a lily among the thorns, and he said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that out of there. I'm gonna take it to a beautiful place where somebody can enjoy it with me without having to fear the thorns." Christ, a picture is of Christ reaching into that, into that thorny mess there pulling something out, uprooting something so that he could take it planted in a good place where he could feed somebody. And where they would see that lily and say, wow, that I really am enjoying this walk with God. I'm enjoying this fellowship with God. How is it so good? And he'll say, well, it was good because of this, because of this, because of this, because of these, because of these. And that's why it's so good. Because I am the rose of Sharon, he'll say. And as a lily among thorns, that's what you were. But I got you out of it. You see, love in Christ, you can know, you can, you can be fed, you can know where he is at all times, and you can love him for that. And when you know where he is, you know where he came from. You know how he got there. We sing... The song in the garden, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. You know, it says he feedeth among the lilies. I, I like that. You know, you, you fellowship with somebody. Uh, when they're eating, they're listening. We, you know, if you ever meet somebody and you meet them over lunch or something like that, the, the hardest thing to do is if you're wanting to meet somebody is to, is to eat while you're trying to talk. You can't eat and talk at the same time. You, you can listen while you eat, but you can't talk while you eat. You know what the Lord's got for us here? And this is just, this may be a side thing, but uh, we, we do talk to God, but there's some, 
something even better that we can do and we can we need to make sure we make this a priority is that when he says feed among the lilies, it's best to just feed so that we can do some listening instead of, instead of just doing all the talking. All right? He wants us to commune with him. And I think that, uh, I think that in our relationship, we, we, can, we, we go one way or the other real fast. We either don't do any praying and, uh, and all the preaching or we don't do any praying. I mean, you know, we, we just go from one to the other. We do all the talking and none of the listening, or we do all the listening and none of the talking. But when he takes us here, it's a place of communion and fellowship. This love that, that, uh, that we ought to have for God, it'll help us to know some things. I am my beloved's. My beloved is mine. And he feedeth among the lilies. And we know, how, we know how it got there. We know that this place of fellowship was something that he purchased with his own blood, that he suffered for. You know that when he was crucified and he was buried, Joseph of Arimathea begged his body, and they took that uh, took his body there. And it says that he took it to his uh, to his place, and there was a garden there. And in the middle of that garden was a sepulcher, a place to be buried right there. I, I think the Lord from from eternity past, He had this all planned out. He said, "Listen, it all started in the garden." And he said, when I come down, he said, I want to be, I'm going to be buried in a garden. And when he rose, you know, the first thing he did when he rose from the dead, Mary sees him out there. And what's he doing? Well, she thought he was the gardener. He was out there pulling weeds and trimming, trimming, you know, picking buds off of there and trimming back dead branches and everything else. He'd just been dead for three days. And the first thing he thinks of is, I got to make this garden right. <laughs> Who's going to tend this garden? Who's going to make this right? Because that gardener is also the shepherd. And he said, I want to make this garden right because eventually somebody's going to have to come. They're going to have to feed here. We're going to make this thing right. The love of God for you, in closing, the love of God for you is this, church. The reason anybody goes to hell is not because God has uh, plans for some people that don't, that, that, uh, that he doesn't like. No, God loves you so much that he hates anything that would hurt you. Is that okay? Maybe you don't, never thought of it this way, but how much, if God was soft on his love toward us, he, would, he might look at his heaven like some of us uh, have looked at, at our possessions, you know, and, and not taken them seriously. God... If God was like us, he might say, well, it's okay. You know, some people just didn't have, you know, maybe they just didn't have the same opportunities. And, you know, I've kind of set a real high standard, but we'll make an exception. We'll just let in a little sin into heaven. You know, we'll just let, we'll just let a couple unrepentant people into heaven. How long would it take for heaven to become hell if God allowed sin into it? How long did it take... God's Garden of Eden to become the Garden of Weeden. <laughs> it just took one sin and everything changed. God said, I'm going to make this, this heaven, this place of future fellowship, I want to make it pure and clean because I love somebody and I want them to know that they can love me, that the place I have made for them is like this lily. It's white. There are no thorns here. And if I let any sin into heaven... I'll defile this, and I am not going to do that because I love them too much to mess up what I have prepared for them. This is a truth in the Song of Solomon. It says that love is as hot coals of fire. You read at the end of Song of Solomon. It's, a, it's a kind of an kind of interesting verse, but God says, My love burns like fire, and it consumes. And that's not just passion. It's judgment. And it's like this. And I told my wife I'd tell a story, another story about her. And if she walks out of the service, you'll know why. But uh, we lived in Oklahoma for a little while, and, and uh, we, uh, we still love to garage sale. We love to, we love to go junkin', all right? We love to, uh, she loves it more than I love it, but, but it's okay. Occasionally, I find good stuff there, too, and I uh, found some fine tools, you know, find a bed cover for my truck. You know, I, man, I'm thinking about it now. I'm going to have to go see if there's any yard sales now. But... We bought a, uh, and we love, both love coffee. 
we like coffee. And so we had this little old coffee pot and it was doing okay. It was chugging along, but it was coming to the end of its life. And we were out yard selling and we saw a coffee pot and it was a nice, it was a bun, you know, the, the bun you know, you could just pour the water in the coffee just makes and Oh, that's what we, we had growing up, you know, and so I thought, oh, memories going back to that coffee, you know, fresh, hot coffee. And we said, oh, we got to have this, and I don't know what we, what we paid for. It wasn't very much. We got this coffee pot, and we brought it home. It was going to be exciting. We take that thing home, and we set it on the, on the counter, and when my wife set it on the counter, out from underneath that thing ran about three roaches, and we knew... And our life changed very seriously. We'd never had a pro- bug problem before, but we took that thing home. We set it up there. Roaches fly out from under it. We go, oh, no, what have we done? Well, and as it is prone to happen, those, those things multiplied. And then pretty soon, we just we couldn't get ahead of them. And uh, we, we tried spraying. We put the, put the bugs, uh, bug you know, stuff in there. I tried treating it myself. And so we said, listen, we're going to go away on vacation. We're going to clean everything out. We are going to exterminate this place. We are, it's going to happen. And, uh, and so we, we left, and, you know, they, they, we pulled out all the drawers and to get ready for it, you know, and you have to you, you, you get everything open so that when they put that uh, powder in there, it's going to get everywhere it needs to go. And we were wanting to make sure, you know, we could kill a, a few roaches here and there, but we didn't want to just kill a few of them. We wanted to kill all of them. All right, we were really, uh, we were really not in the roach-loving mood. We wanted to kill all of them. And uh, we were willing to do whatever it took to get all of those things out of our house. And uh, we, you know, we, cleaned, we, even, uh, we threw the coffee pot away. You know, I mean, we were just, we, we threw it away. And, uh, went, and I went out and I bought her a new one, all right? And so some of you are saying, kicking me, saying you should have done that to start with. But, you know, I, we finally did that, you know? But, uh, but we had made a mistake that, that got in every corner of our house before it could be made right everything had to go it they all had to go she wasn't content if i if i had come up to her and i said honey i said i've killed a dozen roaches today is that enough now ladies if you had roaches in your house is is a dozen killing a dozen enough (laughs) no it's not if, I, if, I, if every day I'd have come to her and say, look, I've, I've, I've killed another roach. Isn't that enough? No. <laughs> Sadly, it was never going to be enough. It was going to be, she, it was, as in her words, she said, it's either me or the roaches. All right. So she didn't really say that. But we were both feeling the same way. We wanted none of that there. And you see, it, it wasn't that I'm a bug hater that just likes to, just likes to kill massive amounts of bugs, but at that time, I loved her so much, I was willing to do whatever it took. And if there had just been one slip through, it wouldn't have been enough, because that was her place. That was a place I had for both of us that was supposed to be a clean place, supposed to be a good place. And if there was just one of them critters still in there, it would have ruined the whole thing, because it all started from just a real small problem, and now it was a big one. We wanted to get rid of them all. You see, God, God says, nobody comes unto the Father but by me. He closed down every other door but one. And he said, nobody's coming in but this way. Why? Because I'm not letting a sin into this place that I've made. There's not one coming in here. And you say, does God hate all those people that, 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 just, that just go to hell and they don't, they don't have a chance? They just never stood a chance. No, they got a chance. Listen, he said, nobody comes to the Father but by me. He still left a, an opening there. He still left a door. He still left himself. But when it comes to heaven, you got to come through that door. Why? So that you can get treated before you get in. You get treated with the blood of Christ and you get, you get treated, not just treated medically, not just treated spiritually, but buddy, you get treated. You trust Jesus Christ and he will treat you better than you've ever been treated before in your life. A love that, that won't change no matter what kind of a day you've had if you come through Jesus Christ. An assurance that you belong in this world. You belong to him in this world. No matter if anybody else will claim you or not. A love that says, I belong to you even when you don't deserve me. I'll still belong to you. And then spiritual food that he'll always take care of you. What is that? What is that? That's just coming unto the Father through Jesus Christ. And buddy, you get treated and you get treated well. And heaven is 
the place eventually that he's prepared for us, that he wants us to be another step on the road of fellowship with him. Because he wants to do so much for us here. But without Christ, without Christ, it's not that he, it's not that he just hates somebody. Although God does have some righteous hatred, let me tell you. The fact is, is that it's the love that makes the separation so necessary. And standing here this morning, if heaven was on this side and hell was on this side, I'm in the middle, but you can't be. I'm standing here in the middle like Jesus Christ would stand in the middle, but there's nobody in here that's, that's in the middle of heaven or hell. Jesus Christ is the only one that stands in the middle, and you're either headed for hell or headed for heaven. And there is, there is no third option. And God is either trying to keep you away from ruining what he's got, or he's accepted you in and he's cleaned you up and made you fit for that place. There's a lot of people over here that are, that are they're trying to be cleaned up. They are, they're, they're trying to, to, to wash up in their good works, trying to wash up in their church attendance, trying to, get, they're trying to say, well, I'm as good as anybody over there. But the Lord says, everybody that's over there, I cleaned up. I purchased with my blood. I died for. You cleaned up yourself. Well, great job, but you can't get in here unless I, can, unless I can do it for you, unless I can treat you for that sin myself. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This morning, if that's, uh, if that's you, if you, don't know, if you don't know the love of God, can I just tell you, you're missing, out on, you're missing out on what life is really all about. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know life. And if you do know Jesus Christ, and you've never, you've never known these things, can I just tell you, you're, maybe this morning, maybe it's a chance to say, you know, I, I know that he loves me, but it's about time I started loving him. It's maybe because you've got half your heart here and half your heart there, and you can say you love God, but you're just not all in there. You'll never get the feeling of knowing you belong and knowing that he loves you until you just get all in. Christian, it's for you today, and friend, it's for you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't know the love of God. And uh, you say, well, I don't know if God loves me or not. Well, he loved you so much he died for you. And, he, and you can love him through Calvary, and he can love you through Calvary. Could we stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Now, I invite my daughter to come up to the piano this morning We'll say a word of prayer and then turn the service over. Thank you for your patience this morning. Thank you for your attendance. May God do, do in your heart what, uh, what only he can do. Lord, we are thankful, God, for, for your love toward us. Lord, how much more should we try to love you? How much ought we to, to, to stay close to you, God? And when we love you, we can know that we belong to you. You belong to us and that you'll take care of us until we see you in heaven. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here that is not sure of those three things, that they would come and make sure today. And Lord, I thank you, God, for a chance to preach this morning to, to friends, uh, friends of my friends, Lord. And, and I pray that you bless Brother Westover this morning. I pray that uh, you bless his church's heart through your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. The invite. Go ahead, sir.